Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that doctor, homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It's August 18th, 2016. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm back. This feels like just yesterday I was doing a fucking show. Uh, as it was. Um, shortly calling in will be a returning guest of the show, none other than Teddy Hart. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, Teddy's going to call in in a minute. And um, a lot of stuff to talk to him about. Uh, he's, he's a very outspoken dude, as everybody knows. And... Um, yeah, man. Looking forward to just chopping it up with him and seeing, uh, you know, what he has in store for us tonight. Cause, uh, you know, he's, he's an unpredictable dude and he has a lot to say always. So, uh, any minute now he'll be calling in. Um, as I, you know, just briefly touched on yesterday, um, this weekend's a big weekend for wrestling and, uh, you know, MMA, he's got a, a big show, uh, I never know when this shit's coming up. I'm not a big enough UFC fan to know, but um, apparently uh, the the Conor McGregor uh, Diaz rematch is going on on Saturday. Uh, that's the only thing I know about the UFC thing that's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean that was a crazy first fight. So I'll, I'll see if I can catch it. Um, 
But, yeah, there's that. Uh, SummerSlam on Sunday, which, honestly, I, I think the only thing I know about that is Brock Lesnar versus um, uh, Randy Orton. I think that's the only thing I know about. Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of things saying uh, that um, Dean Ambrose is bound to lose the title, like they're going to take the title off of him soon because of things he said on the Stone Cold podcast. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any truth to that or whatnot. Um, I know, you know, it's kind of wild for, you know, a world champion to go on a, on a podcast and, uh, you know, air out that he didn't like the way things went with the match and then Brock, you know, was hard to work with and that type of thing. Uh, it's not like a, a commonly done thing when a guy's holding the world title. And, um, you know, more or less a WWE uh, sponsored, but um, – co-signed podcast i mean they're down with the stone cold podcast they put it on their network and all that and advertise and shit like this so um it is kind of wild that he went out there and you know just kind of said <laughs> you know this shit with brock didn't go the way i wanted and blah, 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 blah. and um i don't know maybe they frown upon that um who knows who knows um i, I don't really know what the wwe's relationship with brock is because He's kind of got him by the balls, you know. He uh, he gives them the amount of dates that they they can get out of him. He gets a big payday, and uh, I mean he's a huge draw. I'm a huge fan of Brock Lesnar, but uh, I'm sure he's not the easiest guy to negotiate with because he's he's surely not, um, you know, without another place to go. I mean he's a guy who's uh, valuable in several different sports, and uh, you know he he makes himself uh, very, uh, you know. Uh, difficult to obtain, I guess you'd say, because he's a draw in in UFC. He's a draw in the WWE. And, uh, you know, even if he's only open for a handful of dates, he still brings in big money for them. So, uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't know if they hold the same value on him as far as, uh, you know, someone saying something about him. But, again, you don't want to burn a bridge with a guy who's valuable. So, uh, I I don't know. Um, Let me see if I could uh, – just give me a second. Yeah, let me um let me find a song here, throw a song on, and uh, take a break real quick, and then uh, try to get Teddy on because uh, like I said, I got a little bit I could cover, but uh, not too too much. I'm doing this extra show today uh, based on the uh, Teddy, so um, all right, uh, put this on real quick. That's the sound of the man talking that thing. That thing, that's the sound of the man clapping that thing. Dang. Hey, Yo, play, nigga. Hood, we was taught not to see who shot you. Yeah. Flash, you heard the shot, you feel it burning, I got you. Uh-huh. Say a prayer for me if you care for me, cause I'm on the edge. I'm finna put a shell nah, on the nah. nigga head. I rock a lot of ice, I dare you to scheme on it. The fifth got a rubber grip and a beam on it. Uh-huh. Homie that took the hit on me couldn't shoot this damn skinny now. But I look big in the coupe. My cousin Uzi out in L.A. been tripping through the sets again. Uh-huh. I shot the fuck up, trying to rob the wrong Mexican. I write my lifestyle, your niggas is cheaters. Your lines come from feds, fellas, and Don D. Oh, you the black hand of death, then why your name ain't preacher? If you a pimp like Ken, why the hoes don't treat you? You want to ball like Kirk, now sure they let me teach you. This flow's God sent, it's bound to reach. Problem child, I'm familiar with problems, I know how to solve them Semi-automatically a trade, revolve them, shoot them all, rob them In the hood we starving, you don't want problems, problem child And why can't you be mad? 
price for taking the man's life. Uh-huh. I'm in debt with Christ, I did that twice. I'm nice. Y'all niggas can't hang with 50. Y'all niggas can't bang with 50. Way on the rhyme, there's a shell in the nine. Face stone in the cross, there's a bitch I toss. See the wounds in my skin, they from the wall call. You can check CNN for the wall call. See the drama got me riding with a sword off shotty. Catch at the light, I blow your ass off to the cotty. Man, niggas ain't gonna do me like Sammy Degatti. I do it myself. I don't need no help, give me a knife I get rid of your neighborhood bully Give me a minute, I take a fucking car with a pulley See the hood is the deep to stole my innocence young Niggas jumped me cause they couldn't beat me one on one Problem child, I'm familiar with problems I know how to solve them Semi-automatically a trade of all of them Shoot them up, rob them In the hood we starving You don't want problems, problem child Cause pop slid, mommy died before I turned 11 They say it split poles and let black cats cross your path The footprints in the sand is safe carrying your ass I got God, understand me, tattooed in my skin When I die, I come back, I'ma tattoo it again I'm the young buck to let the gun buck Roll the window down and say what's up Niggas get ready to duck My heart is the house, homie, fear don't live here Nigga, believe me, when I say I don't care Muslims makes a lot, God study their lessons even when my luck's hard, I still count my blessings. See that look in my eye, you better keep on stepping. Spend time on myself, floor to sharpen my weapon. If you pussy, I'ma smell you when you come around here. Them boys in Pelican Bay couldn't live on my tail. Problem child, I'm familiar with problems. I know how to solve them. Semi-automatically, a tray revolve them. Shoot them up, rob them. In the hope. All right, I'm back. Uh, yeah, Teddy will be calling in any minute. Uh, I know I said that before, but um, yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, I got this uh, fucking Eagles and uh, Steelers preseason game on the TV. Watching a little bit of that. Uh, I'm getting real, real hyped up for football season. Um, you know, just c- continuous talk about whether Kaepernick's gonna play or not, and this and that. And he's gonna fucking play, man. It's just. They got too much money sitting on him. There's no way it's going to turn out to a situation where he's on the bench and they're, you know, jostling between second and third string guys. It's it's just not going to fucking happen. Um, Sunday, uh, big, big show. GCW's running the um, the Date with Destiny. I I keep forgetting the name of this fucking show. Uh, Data, remember? Date with Destiny? Yeah, you know... uh, so, anyways, Matt Fremont versus John Zandig is the the main uh, attraction of it. Um, but uh, also, it's got uh, qualifying matches for the uh, Trent Acid Cup. And one of the qualifying matches is, uh, I guess who I'll have on shortly, and Chris Dickinson, which is a fucking dream matchup. Uh, yeah, Teddy and Dickinson is crazy. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. I mean, they they got a lot of stuff lined up. Uh, it's it's going to be a big show. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, GCW is doing some pretty big things over there. Um, so I'm interested in, you know, what they pull off for the remainder of the year. Um, basically, you know, my, my attending of uh, wrestling for the rest of the year is going to surround Jersey All-Pro and uh, GCW. And uh, that, that's pretty much that. Um, like I said, uh, CZW's product I'll go into more next week and really uh, – 
you know, outline how I feel about, uh, you know, the different things that they're doing and not doing and whatnot. But um, there, there's very exciting things going on in the Jersey, uh, Jersey area. Yeah, big fucking wrestling going on. The East Coast is alive for sure. Anyone who slept on that shit, uh, wake up, man, because there's uh, uh, a lot of entertainment out here. Um, what the fuck else? Oh, shit. Let me see. Um, SummerSlam, like I said, I don't know a fucking thing about uh, WWE. Um, are they doing like a fucking NXT show this weekend? I mean, I'm asking fucking nobody. So, um, not going to provide me with a whole ton of entertainment through, um, you know, doing that. But, um, I'd imagine they have like a big NXT show this week too. Um, I don't know when that's planned for. Um, what else? Fucking, uh, yeah, like I said, Jersey All-Pro's coming up on October 1st. They got Teddy signed for that. They got Homicide signed for that. Not Teddy versus Homicide, but they got Teddy and Homicide in the same building. You never know what can happen there. Um, but, yeah, you know, a couple uh, qualifying matches for the best of the light heavyweight match coming up on the uh, the anniversary show. Uh, Alicia is going to be back in the ring, returning to the ring. Uh, you're also going to have G's there. Defending his title, his light heavyweight title. Um, we're gonna have um, Kimberly, I believe. I believe she's the women's champion, and she'll be defending her title. I believe. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff going on there, and um, I'm I'm really excited for it. I get to shoot a show in uh, Bayonne. I've never been to a show in Bayonne before. They have a you know long history of being there, and uh, you know it's it's gonna be good to to go over there and, uh, you know, shoot another historic show for Jersey Opera. Um, very exciting. Um, what else, man? This fucking, uh, this vehicle of mine, man, I got back in the gym Monday. I was all fucking excited because the truck just got fixed and, uh, you know, shit was broke. Uh, man, we got towed by fucking AAA twice in fucking nine days. See this fucking guy in, uh, in a parking lot, like, last week, and he stops, and, like, you don't want the AAA guy to fucking know you, that, that's definitely not, uh, not a good sign, that's not somebody you want to have recognize you, because he's used to towing your fucking car, so, um, that sucks, man, like, multiple different things breaking in this vehicle, like, one after another, and things back in the shop now, so, I had, a uh, Monday, I was able to go and fucking train hard as shit, and then uh, Tuesday, the fucking car broke again. So uh, it's just, you know, one thing after another. It's really fucking holding me up as far as my training goes. I got some stuff I could do at home. I can't find the same motivation as I can when I get to the gym. When I get to the gym, I can fucking laser focus and just unstoppable. You know, just just really fucking kill it. And, uh, you know, at home I could do some things. But, again, you know, I get home then you got, you know, your kids running around and, you know, they're drawing your attention because, you know, they want to do this and they want to show you that. Then you got TV and you got a computer. You got way too many distractions at home. Other things I could be doing. Let me go check on the ducks. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, before you know it, you're too wrapped up in other things to really just go in. That's why, you know, the gym is is just obviously the best place to train. And, uh, that that's where my focus is at. Once I get in there, it's fucking curtains. But um, yeah, I'll get back on it. It's um, it drives me fucking bananas when I can't uh, 
train properly and uh it's been real on and off since my last race just because vehicle problems have been nonstop. and um got in a little bit of running but you know it's, it's gotten brutally hot where it's uh difficult to breathe and everything like that and i i should be pushing myself through to to running but it's just fucking what can i tell you uh fucking madden this isn't gonna help me either but i'm not like a video games haven't held me down at all as far as that stuff but uh madden comes out like next week so between that and the fucking star wars game that i haven't played in a couple weeks i gotta get back on that shit and uh those two will occupy a little bit of time but again like i Video games, I, I don't get too sucked into them anymore. I enjoy them, but I just don't I don't play them as much as I used to. Um, what else can I fucking talk about? I watched King of the Death Match. Um, man, so many so many things about that are just fucking wild, man. Um, you know, the first thing about that that's just fucking nutty. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into this because the uh, yeah, I should have my guest calling in any minute, but um. Man, I mean, King of the Death Match hosted at a gay bar is, is just fucking insanely hilarious to me. I I know a lot of people have just gotten past it, and it's just another venue to them, but I'm sorry, man. I'm from fucking Jersey. I don't, I don't know if uh, that affects anybody else the same way, but I can't. Uh, a death match wrestling show in a gay bar, is, something about it just strikes me as fucking absolutely hilarious, and uh, I can't get over it. Especially when the uh, the entranceway was the gay bar, so your entrance was a wrestler leaving a gay bar. That I mean, that I don't give a shit how tough your music is. You're a wrestler leaving a gay bar. Uh, it says the word pride across the fucking door with a rainbow. Um, that's the name of the bar. Um, you know, I mean, it's fucking crazy uh, to me. That's fucking bananas. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's uh if there's a possibility. Maybe I should ask JC last night, but uh, you know, to put like an IWA fucking poster on the door or something just for the day. I don't know. It was, it was very, very distracting, very jarring to see uh, these guys just uh come flying out of a gay bar to uh do some death matches. <laughs> just. One of the strangest visuals ever. Um, but crazy, crazy fucking deathmatch tournament. Um, you know, I mean, IWA, obviously, uh, veterans are doing what they do over there with that. And, um, yeah, it, it didn't disappoint. I didn't like the format, but obviously um, the format was very um, financially friendly. Because you figure they had uh, 16 guys in the tournament. Is it 16? Uh yeah, yeah, 16 guys in the tournament, and the second round came down to four people. So you had 16 guys that you were paying for round one. They were all four ways, so it came down to four guys that were getting paid to wrestle twice and two guys that were paid to wrestle three times. So, And uh, no non-tournament matches. A one-day tournament, no non-tournament matches, which I I don't know if I've ever seen a deathmatch tournament with no non-tournament matches. I didn't have a problem with it or anything like that, but, um, you know, pretty surprising. Um, I don't know, you know, how much time that was, uh, you know, maybe cut out of the the DVD. But um, it... uh, 
I, I don't know. I don't know if it flowed that, that seamlessly where there was not a lot of gaps in between matches, but usually just the, the rest periods of, of non-tournament matches helps those guys out. So, um, but yeah, I recommend it. Go pick it up. Smart Mark video. Um, you know, good shit over there. Um, yeah, they do a good thing. I, I definitely prefer a two day tournament. Uh, it definitely weighed heavily on me as far as, you know, making that trip out there because, you know, it, it's like fucking 12, 14 hours, 15 hours, depending on, you know, what goes on on the road. And, um, that, that's a long fucking trip for one, one night of show. You know what I mean? Like it's, to me, I just, I have a hard time doing it. It's just, it's too much, man. I don't know. Like I've gotten sort of bitter over time of, uh, attending shows in general and i mean it's a good time it's a good show and all that but is it worth fucking uh, like a full waking day of travel like the the normal hours that you might be awake in a day yeah something something like that maybe you know uh, 14 hours i mean how how many hours are you awake? something like that um the, the amount of hours that you would be awake in a day completely in the fucking car uh that's that's a hard sell for me. Um, I'd like to do it next year. I'm hoping they pull a two day tournament. Um, if not, uh, I mean, there's talk about doing like the Thursday show and then hanging out from Thursday to, to, to Saturday or Sunday or whatever the case may be for the, the King of the death. So, you know, I'm definitely, uh, you know, weighing my options about that. Um, I, I did enjoy the trip for the most part, you know, like I said, uh, from last year, uh, the drive home especially is just fucking grueling. I mean, it just feels like hours are, are barely moving. You know, you, you feel like you're done. You can't handle any more trip and there's five fucking hours left. You know, it's just, it's bludgeoning. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys put on a good show um, again, you know, like I was talking to JC about last night. I, um, I really wish, Ian could bring his product out east. I think he's going to make a ton of fucking money. And, you know, repay your guys at home with spending some of that money on, uh, you know, big banging shows. Make a bunch of fucking money out east. Go back home and then fly a bunch of fucking people into your home home shows, you know. Uh, pay it forward type thing, you know. Uh, I don't know. To me, it would make a lot of sense. And I know... Uh, you know, maybe your home crowd doesn't, but shit, man, organize a fucking bus trip or something. You know, it, uh, it's crazy. Uh, I'd like to see it eventually. It'd be nice. Um, let me see, man. I, I'm still waiting on Teddy. Uh, getting a little fucking excessive. Um, I know he's he's traveling because again he's got a uh, show this weekend in Jersey, so he's he's uh in transit. Let me see if I uh I know I got another. Song I could play, um, play a long ass Tupac song, and I'll uh, do what I can to get Teddy on the line.
Let me cut that off. I got my guest on the line at this time, the one and only Teddy Hart. What's going on, Teddy? Uh, how are you guys? Doing good, man. Haven't talked to you in a while. It's been a couple of years since you've been on the show. How you been, man? I'm doing really well. Just dropping off a rental car and picking up a new one. I missed my flight. Uh, I guess it must have been God's plan because I had forgot that the podcast was today because my my uh, my stuff got around. So it was just, I guess it was fate. I missed my flight, but I can still talk to you guys and uh, promote the show, which is way more important than uh, $50 change fee. I get to stay in Oakland tonight where marijuana is legal. So I'll go to the dispensary and I'll, I'll get some uh, medical marijuana and smoke and enjoy the uh, ocean. I live in Texas, so there's no ocean there. Try to find the positive side in missing a flight. I get to do a podcast with one of my favorite promotions in the world or, or four of my favorite promotions in the world, Jersey All Pro. And uh, you seem like an old friend. I don't know where I talked to you before. If we did a podcast before, yeah, I wasn't sure how. how... Cool. Yeah, you've been on this show a couple of years ago. I think it was, uh, I don't know, 2012 or something. So it was a while ago. But, uh, yeah, you were on here before, and uh, we talked. But, um, yeah, so so what's been going on? I think you just got back from Mexico not too long ago, right? Yeah, I work for Elite now in Mexico, and uh seems to be going well. I had uh, three matches so far. Last match I did was a cage match, and I was in the main event in uh, Mexico City. On a Thursday night, which was about maybe uh, six to seven thousand people at the building, which is a really good draw for considering last show was about two thousand. So we got a we got a pretty big house for an event between two guys that were basically ex AAA guys working in Arena Mexico, and I was happy to see that uh, they still remembered me and they still appreciated the the guy that was the heel, but a, a gentleman after the shows and a diplomat of wrestling autographs and pictures and. Uh, making yourself available to the fans after the show, which not getting paid for for some of it. But it, it definitely distinguishes you from the other people out there uh, that are, I would say, trying to run out of the building or don't appreciate the fans quite as much as they should. I think the fans are uh, have always been my fuel, and I've always talked about getting blackballed, doing too many moves, and less is more, maybe in a, a bullshit scenario like WWE. But on an indie show, less is not more. More is more. Moves are moves, and risk is risk. And if I risk my life for you, you're going to risk your life driving to work, sitting in traffic, and fucking taking your pension and spending it on wrestling shows rather than saving for your, uh, for your, you know, your taxes or whatever. But I know wrestling fans sacrifice almost everything they have to make wrestlers and wrestling important. And uh, the guys should have the same type of motto back. You give to the fans, they'll give back to you. And I think that's why I'm still right. alive now. And uh, karma is what it is where... Most guys, if they are me and they've been trying to get into wrestling for 15 years, have been hired and fired and their name's been used and they've been on TV and they never did anything. I've never been on TV. I've never had a first impression. I've never really got to make my mark. Uh, at 36, I still think I'm in better shape than most of the guys at 25 were. And I do more moves and I do it smoother. And my timing and uh, psychology, based on 15 years of wrestling, indie shows instead of doing WWE stuff where guys write your matches for you and agents set up your stuff, I've learned a really different style, uh, some Mexican, some Japanese, some shoot fighting, and I, I think I put a, a pretty good show on for independent promoters that book me. So, I mean, I don't even know where uh, this question started from more. It's just what I'm doing with wrestling <laughs> now in Mexico, what I'm doing, and basically indie shows to try to get my name back on the radar and uh, have people talk about me and have people say that he had a great match and there wasn't any bullshit uh, controversy yeah. with guys making 
stories up about stuff that's really irrelevant shit, like whether I wore a suit into the show or if I was shaking everybody's hand or not. I always shake everybody's hand. Very difficult for a guy like me to walk in a locker room, don't know anybody, try to be in a pool or try to stiff guys on a handshake, considering I haven't got my pay yet. So it's kind of stupid to fuck right. the guys that are going to pay you and also fuck the guys that are going to arrest you. So most of the Teddy Hart mystique is just made up by promoters that are mad they can't rebook me because I did a good job for them once, but I gave them my price for the second show, and they want to job me out to some guy they have, and it's like, well, fine, if you're going to take my name, and wrestling doesn't have wins or losses, but wins or losses still mean something, I think. And uh, if you're a loser all the time, then you're a loser. And if you're a winner all the time, then you're a winner. And that's kind of how fans look at it, and that's kind of how I, I've uh, accepted bookings. I like to know the booking ahead of time. And if you're going to win, yeah. if you're going to have me come in and just job me out, don't bring me because I don't want to do anything. But if you're going to have me come in three shows in a row and put a guy over on the third show, absolutely. I understand the business. Yeah. But you got to earn your uh, you got to earn your victory over Teddy Hart. And a lot of promoters just want to yeah. bring a guy in and get a flash a flash victory so they can have 5,000 hits on Facebook or YouTube because they got a match with the controversial Teddy Hart. That's not what I ever built my career on. Uh, it was mostly Gabe Sabalski, Ring of Honor, uh, guys that didn't want to work with me or guys that didn't want to go out after me. And it took a guy like Ricochet and Will Ospreay and Jack Evans and probably about 10 other guys that really just stuck it up the old school guys' asses and just kept going out there and stealing the show with moves. And sure. moves are created now, by practice, Ted- practice, practice, practice. <laughs> Teddy, let me, let me get a question there. You're rambling on. Um I, uh, you know, you talked about moves and more is more and stuff like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about the spot wrestling and stuff like that. And like you said, uh, the Will Ospreay is getting criticized and people saying it's not wrestling and people like Vader chiming in and, and you know, really bitter about that who, who style of wrestling. Is, what do you think? Who the fuck is Fat Vader? Who the fuck is Fat Vader? Vader hasn't done shit in years. He's irrelevant. He never did anything really that was that noticeable besides some stuff in WCW years ago. Went to Japan with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and made a reputation as being a tough guy when nobody ever stood them in a fucking street fight or a ring where guys were punching them back in the face uh, and actually did something until the brawl for all happened. And it quickly showed how fast professional wrestlers that don't do any martial arts are bought. And most of them, and I'll say it to their face, if they want to roll me outside and kick my ass for it, then fine. But most wrestlers don't know how to fight, and uh, they don't know how to defend themselves properly. And a guy like Vader is just jealous that Will Ospreay and Ricochet are able to go in there and steal the show, and people aren't remembering Vader matches anymore, or Dr. Death Steve Williams, or fucking Bruiser Brody, a bunch of guys, no offense, but to my mind, did nothing more than stiff guys a bit and had a great character. But that's 25 years ago, like watching an old TV, and I said it time and time again, it's the evolution of wrestling that I can show a guy in jail, a security guard, a bartender, a doctor, a lawyer, a fucking scientist, an astronaut wrestling. And if I showed him old-school wrestling, He's shutting off the fucking channel after 30 seconds. But if I show him something good that makes him wonder how these guys are still walking because it's actually a miracle how Ricochet's still walking without any surgeries, how many times the guy has been dropped on his head or Jack Evans? Because people have power as fans. There's enough angels or whatever. God exists. I don't care what God you believe in, but God exists. And he knows these guys are risking their life to make wrestling fun and entertaining because a lot of other guys use wrestling as a scapegoat to have a job after 25 years old where they failed at something else and then use wrestling as a basically get-out-of-jail-free card for not making it in football or not making it somewhere else and then coming in and using wrestling and then saying, well, fuck, I don't have to do a lot after five years and keep all the other guys out that do a lot 
And that's where Shawn Michaels changed the way wrestling was because otherwise it was a bunch of guys like Ric Flair, and I hate to say it, but Brett did enough. But Brett still was pretty routine too. He did stuck to his same five moves, and he didn't do a lot of different stuff. But he did it in such a way that it was kind of allowed. But, I mean, even my knock on Brett would be uh, towards the end he started doing new moves. So he kind of stopped me from saying that he didn't progress or innovate because he started doing the sharpshooter or started doing the block around the turnbuckle, started doing a couple different moves, uh, different spots, little little things to mix up his whatever six moves that he had done. But otherwise, it's like wrestling is usually copycat. Guys get away with murder. And Ricochet, uh, Will Ospreay, Jack Evans, guys like Red, Sanjay Dutt. There's so many guys out there. AJ Styles is one of the guys that was still able to do a lot, but not piss off uh, too many of the old heads. I don't know how he did it. Right. But he was able to kind of ride the line in the middle where he was able to do a lot of moves and still uh, get victories over guys that were considered like old Scrooges and didn't want to do anything or were trying to slow you down. And, again, it's the black and white TV versus the flat screen. What do you want? And I don't mean to ramble on. You're one of the few guys that I'll call it rambling on with. I'll let it slide as a rambling on. But your questions are open-ended questions, so I could go on for 20 fucking minutes because there's no say of, like, how I could end it, you know. And that's the greatest part about Teddy Harder. Shut the fucking radio off and don't listen to my shit because I ramble on sometimes about stuff I think needs to get said or I didn't understand the question properly because I'm smoking pot as I'm driving fucking in rush hour traffic trying to do five things at once. So, But I'm down for your it's next good, question, bro. my friend. Um, so recently you had a, a Rolling Stone article. It didn't really paint you in the best light. I mean, I guess exposure is exposure, but, um, you know, what was your thoughts on that? I was happy to get some exposure, but it was a lot of lies. And if you listen to the Kevin Gill podcast with Conan, uh, Conan basically went, went against everything he said in the article because when he wrote the article or was asked about the article, he was upset. And Conan's got a little bit of bipolar, I would say, where he's up and down. And when he's up, he's happy. And when he's down, he's miserable. And uh, he got me on a, I guess I got him on a day where he wasn't in the best mood. And he, he gave me kind of a shitty, uh, a shitty article for Rolling Stones. And the guy was so happy to write something bad, kind of, that he was like a Mark Omar. And I'll say this podcast, and if Omar hears it, maybe it won't get put in Rolling Stones magazine again in the future, but so be it. Uh, Omar was kind of a mark for the wrestling story of Teddy Hart being a piece of shit in the hospital. Instead of telling his story that he raised money Breaking up a little, man. and helped out so many wrestlers for food, for juice, for gym memberships, for whatever, for gear, gave them a place to stay, a promotion to work in, and a lot of information on what not to do because I did it and I fucked Yeah. I, I think I just lost Teddy. Uh, he was breaking up a little bit, and then he dropped off the line. Hopefully, he'll call right back in. Um, <laughs> Teddy, uh, that man can talk, man. Uh, <laughs> do my best to. All right, here we go. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were saying the last time. Last part of the conversation, uh, I wasn't sure where we got cut off or not. Do you remember? Uh, you you were talking about the Rolling Stone article and uh, the guy uh, who had, uh, had Conan. Was, uh, yeah, Conan basically got caught on a bad day and kind of uh, said some stuff that wasn't really the facts. And it's easy to, if nobody's going to back me up or no one's ever going to defend Teddy Hart, that's pretty hard to be wrestling for 16 years without a major surgery and have a problem in Mexico where the guys are doing coke and drunk 
and fucked up a lot of the times and also hiding under a mask where they're not accountable for having a bad match on the street because it's not their face you see in the bar. And they got, they got away with murder. So instead of me and Jack getting praised for showing up on a bus, not speaking the language, and surviving for three years in Mexico, Conan threw us under the bus or me under the bus and said I was a pain in the ass and this. and that. I didn't even speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish on purpose, so I wouldn't have to interact or talk because my mouth seemed to get me in trouble in the, uh, in the States for telling the truth and, and calling <laughs> guys out like Steve Carino or Christopher Daniels or Samoa Joe for stiffing Necro Butcher for no fucking reason because he thinks he's tough and he's dropping him on his head over and over again. And it's like Nobody wants to point out uh, to the click. There's a click, a new click of wrestling. CM Punk was in the click. American Dragon was in the click. AJ Styles was in the click. Loki was in the click. There was a bunch of guys in that little click of, of guys, and they were in a certain style, and they were pretty good. But I don't think they could lace up my boots or Jack Evans' boots or Tyson Kidd's boots or D.H. Smith's boots, and they didn't want to compete with us. And Feinstein wanted a war. He wanted to compete, a war where it was my guys from Canada versus the best indie guys from the States, and my guys would have kicked their ass. And it wouldn't, didn't happen because those guys knew from one match to Scramble Cage, basically one match where... If the fans weren't cheering my name and screaming to do more, we wouldn't have done shit. Whether I forget or don't forget, and I don't remember anything that happened, I've stuck to that story since day one. I've gone over it a thousand fucking times. Basically, my idea of the progression of wrestling started with me, Jack, Red, Sanjay Dutt, AJ Styles, Matt Ratz, uh, stuff like that, Blitzkrieg, Rey Mysterio Jr. was the innovator of all of it. And, and that style is what's taken over now. There's a reason Triple H is doing an NXT show with light heavyweight wrestling as the premise a light heavyweight tournament, which are having way better matches on that light heavyweight tournament than you've had in WrestleMania or uh, uh, Royal Rumble or Survivor Series. How the fuck can some little nothing tournament in NXT produce the best matches in the world unless what I was saying was true the whole time? Light heavyweight wrestling, hard-hitting light heavyweight wrestling is the most entertaining type of wrestling on the planet. And it's just a matter of catching up. And uh, I've been talking about it for 15 fucking years, and Pierre's been booking it for 12 years or 15 years. However long I could do what I do, uh, Jersey All Pros always stood behind me and had balls and said, let this motherfucker yeah. work and let him work the fans. Let him work an angle where me and Homicide look like we're killing each other. Dude, how fast is Homicide shoot me in the fucking head after the show if we're enemies? The guys are being marked. How fast is Kurt Angle and I getting a shoot fight in the back at the fucking locker room? There's no security. If he's that mad before the match or after the match or during the match, then why the fuck doesn't the gold medalist come double leg take down me after the show? Because I set people in a certain type of disbelief because I know how wrestling fans work and I know how player-hating faggots work on the computer. So I played at them. But I got sick of getting blackballed for really nothing. And I'm going, listen, half the shit that was said is not true. It's all lies, lie, lie, lie. I can't keep living people's lies that I, I didn't show up at the show or I pissed off the promoter. That's a work. John Zandig was a work. That was a work. Zandig asked me to play that role and work it. And then after, he doesn't want to go back and say the truth. I split the guy's head open. Uh, he, he, he took a pay cut. He flew himself in for free. He tried to work in Canada with me. Like, I tried to be nice to Feinstein. I tried to be nice to Gabe. But I also said, if you're going to make money, make money on controversy and use my name and use it to fucking be crazy. Instead of just another guy that flies in from Calgary, another good old chap who does a couple holds and, and puts a couple uh, submissions because I'm from the dungeon and copies what Chris Benoit does. What the fuck use am I to wrestling then? I got to be the guy that sets people up and makes people try harder, and makes people, I don't want to work like Teddy Hart. I don't want to work after Teddy Hart. Ten years later, they're better than Teddy Hart ever was. Most of the guys I watch now are better than I was. They're amazing because they had some asshole like me fucking sticking a a prod up their ass saying, go back to the gym, go back to gymnastics, start watching your old tapes, 
I'm not even a wrestler. I'm a fucking drug dealer that sells marijuana and steroids for fuck's sake most of my life. So I wrestle part-time. And I have a hard time watching guys tell me they're full-time wrestlers when they can't do a fucking moonsault or a 450 or watch moves and study moves. So my ramble is basically wrestling now is what I want it to be. It's amazing. It's it's the best guys I've ever seen out there now. Athletes that I've never seen do shit I've never imagined and shit I've invented. They've done it better than me now. So it's almost like I don't need to wrestle anymore, but I'd like to do like another 10 years of wrestling to wrestle the guys that have evolved into what I wanted to bump with and what I wanted to bump for, if that makes sense. Yeah. What what has kept you out of like the the NXTs and the the cruiserweight tournament that they're having over there? It seems like you're you're perfectly uh, fit for that. Yeah, I'm not stopping smoking marijuana right now. I'm about two years away from <laughs> being clean, uh, WWE clean, where I could be. Uh, I have enough size from taking supplements and taking steroids with my prescription from the government uh, up until the point where they say, okay, listen, you got to piss in a cup and you got to you know. At, then it's worth it to go off because I've already got enough size. Right now, I'm still not big enough. In my mind, I need to be about 210. Uh, and then I'll go off supplements and see how I look after that clean for three months. And if I can look in the mirror and be happy with my body, then I would I would attempt uh, to ask the WWE to give me a chance to prove my... And I've never asked them for a job, not when I was 18, not when I was 27, and not now. But now uh, would be the time I actually ask them. To go listen, maybe Brett can help me, maybe Kevin Nash can help me, maybe Razor Ramon can help me, maybe uh, Chris Jericho can help me, maybe Mick Foley can help me, uh, maybe Stephanie McMahon herself and her her friend Eric, uh, always been a big fan of mine. Maybe those guys are the ones that go to bat for me this time, and Shawn Michaels too. I've always been a big, a big fan of Shawn Michaels and always talked positive and highly about what he did for the business and the evolution of the business, and he made Brett a better wrestler. And I think Brett knows that at mm. the end of the day, Shawn Michaels made Brett the Hitman Hart, uh, the excellence of execution because he was just that good. And having competition as good as Sean uh, made the two of them basically have the best matches ever, I think, still. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Zandig before. Um, you're going to be in the same building with Zandig on Sunday for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, what's your thoughts going into that? And, you know, are you guys on even keel now? or? Fuck no. Zandig better be cool, Ben, because if Zandig fucking acts like a punk, then that might be another CM Punk incident right on the spot where me and Zandig walk outside, and I hope a 50-year-old fucking punk bitch who talks shit about Teddy Hart after Teddy Hart was a nice guy to him understands this ain't no fucking lighting a fire. This ain't no barbed wire chainsaw where I get dumped off a table. Gravity then, I guess, is against you. But my fist and my fucking my legs and my headbutt are going to be used against you, and ain't no work. It ain't no referee going to pull you off this time or pull me off. If you're cool to me and you shake my hand, cool. If you want to be a fucking punk or act like a tough guy, based on shit that I never thought being tough was being hardcore. Necro Butcher's tough because I've seen him wrestle and I've seen him do hardcore. John Zandig, I've never seen have a good match of wrestling. And sure, he can take some pain, but I know a lot of motherfuckers that get tattoos all the time. You punch him in the face three times in the UFC, they tap out real fast. Real fast, dude. Big difference being a tough guy in real fighting and a tough guy in the fucking ring. That means you got a high pain threshold which is fine. Getting punched in the face doesn't, it doesn't nothing to do with pain threshold. It has to do with if you're going to look in the mirror and resemble what you used to look like the day before. It's like permanent damage. One thing to go through a table, you got to have a scar on your back. It's another thing to go out on a fight and risk losing your teeth and breaking your nose or worse. With a guy like me who's got fuck all to lose, what do I lose? John Zandig kicked my ass. I get publicity from winning or losing on it. So I hope he listens to this fucking podcast because where am I wrestling this week in New York? In New Jersey. Jersey, right? And John Zandig's going to be at the show. So that's the first time John Zandig's had the balls to be in a building with me after he told 
the whole world that I stiffed him on pay, put my head through a fucking table and gave me uh, 150 stitches, which I couldn't afford to get fixed because I don't believe in healthcare in the States. It's a scam. So crazy glue was my only solution to fixing my problem. I still have the scars in the back of my head. Someone just put up the video on YouTube actually of how I got cut after 11 years or 10 years of not putting it up there. The guy flips the table and, and put, goes, welcome to the wonderful world of CZW. I hope you got a blood test. And then fucking Death Valley drivers me on a table with nails all throughout the table that he wouldn't land on himself. That's when I kind of lost respect for John Zending. Up until that point, I thought the guy was a fucking hero and a great promoter and a good guy. And then I realized most of what he did was exploiting and uh, taking risks that were awesome for him, but didn't really do much for the company, but create some kind of like a uh, huge measuring stick where any time a guy was going to have to do anything, he's going to basically have to fucking kill himself to get a pop because that's what John said as precedent. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sunday is going to be quite a, quite a show. Um, and, and, you know, your opponent on Sunday is a guy who, you know, has been tearing it up on the U S scene for, for a long time now. And he, he's become, you know, the controversial kind of loose cannon guy, which matched up with you as a dream match. Uh, what's your thoughts on the matchup of Chris Dickinson? Really impressed with how he went to the gym. Uh, took his character super serious. Him and Brian Cage are the two guys that put on the most size in the shortest period of time in wrestling history. And I give them huge respect. Brian Cage helped out Chris Dickerson a lot. I called Chris when I saw a picture of him. And I said, I'd, I'd like a match. And I want to tell you that you look phenomenal. And there's no fucking hard. There's nothing. Guys, the gym is the hardest thing to do. You go to the gym on top of driving in rental cars, on top of going to the shows, on top of getting your ass kicked in the ring. And you still go to the gym and you look the way Chris Dickinson looks, you've you got to give him major props for me. Otherwise, everything I stood for or say is a, a complete hypocrite, player-hating piece of shit. He's everything I, I stood for. A guy that took his career, revamped it, went back to gymnastics, went back to the gym, jumped on the gas, whatever it took. No sacrifice was, was uh, you know, looked at as, as something he couldn't do. He sacrificed a lot, man, and traveled to England, went back to England and learned how to wrestle. And then I saw him kick the shit out of Loki after he took a punch in the face from Loki and called it, shoot, let's keep working. And then Loki fucking wouldn't work with him, punched him in the face. Quickly realized one solid punch in the face on a guy like Chris Dickerson just makes him horny to fucking rip your head off. And Chris Dickerson yeah. quickly showed Loki what, what the difference is between a guy that pretends to be tough and a guy who really is tough. And Loki's got a, a lot of skills and he's a great wrestler, but stop, stop hurting guys in the ring and saying that's part of your, your skill set or you're tough because you're hurting guys that are taking it. It's pro wrestling, dude. We're all we're all fucking tough enough, but none of us should be trying to sell ourselves as super tough guys uh, by hurting another guy that's taking a fucking chop with his hands behind his waist or behind his back. You know, that's that's me doing my job. You hurting me is you right. fucking up. Red Hart always said I never had to hurt anybody in my whole career, but I never hurt anybody in my career. I go for the same thing. I've never hurt anybody in my whole career. I don't even like to throw a chop because it's real. And if I can throw a punch that barely touches you but makes the whole audience think I fucking knocked your teeth out, I think we got a lot more out of our uh, out of our skills than watching you go to the dentist in the morning with a with a set of fucking new teeth for three grand or something like that because I couldn't do my job as a professional wrestler and throw a work punch. I was trying to pretend I was MMA or New Japan style stiff, and uh, I throw the best punches in the business I think, and they look like they're fucking killing you. But I never had a guy get a bloody. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you talked about physique and, you know, taking himself seriously and, and really training like that. Um, what's your thoughts on a guy like Chris Hero? He's, he's always been able to work in the ring and everything else, but 
you know, his physicality has gone down quite a bit uh, as of recently. You 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 think his physicality's gone down a lot? Uh, I mean, his looks for sure. He's gained Smaller quite now? a bit of weight. Oh, he's gained a lot. Yeah, he looks much better now. I thought you were. I thought maybe he lost weight. You were saying now he's lost weight again because I I thought last no, time he, I saw him he was really he looked great. He gained a ton of weight recently. Yeah, that's why I that's why I was so impressed with what he had done because there's nothing harder than putting on size and working on the road. Right. Yeah. I'm really excited um, about the match. Should be a great match. I'm excited about it. He's a guy that I look I've uh, I've I've given advice to and always kind of. Uh, propped it and told along the way, don't give up and don't let these guys get to you because you're a real threat. He's a real threat to be a superstar. And even if he doesn't get work in WWE, I, I think he could probably get in Japan and be a real uh, serious guy that has three five-star matches in New Japan or Noah, something like that. That would be my recommendation to a guy like Chris Dickerson right now. Right. Right now, that's Dickinson. Dickinson's looking great. What I was saying was Chris Hero um, oh, has Chris gone. Hero. I'm sorry. I heard just Chris. I'm on a speakerphone right yeah. now, so I didn't hear Chris. Chris Hero is another guy. Okay. Completely changed, completely changed my opinion of him. The guy's a fucking stud now. Huge. He's, he, I'm going to say he's fatter than he's ever been, but he works ten times better than he's ever worked. So I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut him some slack and say that uh, probably okay. depression a little bit, maybe a little bit depression, and uh, the fact that he's working so much, he doesn't really need to have that body. The fact he's a little chubbier and moves that fast and is that good, I give him full. One of the best wrestlers in the world right now. I really and I never said I, that before, uh, but a huge respect for uh, Chris Hero what he's done. And I, after getting fired, it's really hard getting fired when you're that close. I had it happen to me, uh-huh. and I had a backup plan, and I have a name, and I have other things to fall back on. Uh, but he didn't, and he made indie wrestling uh, basically make him enough money that he could lose that contract like Colt Cabana and still make e- close to or. Uh, more money than what the WWE guys, minus the fact that he's not on the road as much because he has his own, he has control of his own clock. You know what I mean? Right. He's the booker for himself. So I think maybe maybe he lost a couple, maybe he lost some money on one end, but I think he gained a lot of money and self-respect on the other end because he's had some phenomenal matches after he left WWE. I just the way he throws a form. And I don't know if he's killing the guy or not, but, I mean, I've seen him have two or three matches where I didn't know how the fuck the guys were walking after because he looked like he kicked the shit out of them. And I thought he was soft <laughs> yeah. before. So to get a compliment out of me, it means you really went back to the drawing board and you really tightened up your shit and you came up with a lot of cool submissions and different ways to get into stuff. Wrestling's all about being different. I want to see a different type of guy do cool shit but solid. It doesn't matter what style he has. It's just a matter of the execution of the style done properly. And that's where Chris Hero gets, like I say, uh, nothing but respect from me. Kind of like how CM Punk, I yeah. thought he did a great job at WWE. I thought he was the shits in TNA, and I thought he got away with murder in Ring of Honor. Had a couple of hype matches with guys they spent big money on bringing in to put him over or whatever. But until he went to WWE and really started having that schedule and uh, matches with shitty guys, the WWE basically uh, spent a lot of time and money on that couldn't work, but CM Punk pulled out good match after good match after good match. So you didn't hear me say he was good when I didn't think he was good. You heard me say he was good when I thought he earned it and proved it. Compliment right. on me is real. I might say you're an asshole, but if I'm the fucking guy later that sees you as a good guy, I'm going to be the first guy to apologize, take it like a man, and say I made a mistake or I, I had to correct my opinion. And one of the guys that correct my yeah. opinion about it was Chris Hero because he went out of his way to befriend me, talk to me with respect, and apologize for stuff he said on shoot interviews. And uh, that, mm-hmm. that's a huge that's a that's a huge man for me. A guy like that's uh, 
100% cool and awesome in my book. Yeah. You, you teamed up with him in uh, Jersey All-Pro. Uh, like you said, the, the Kurt Angle thing you said was a work. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, what was the heat with Kurt Angle and everything, but as, as you said, it was uh, – Basically, I was legit. working. I was working him, bugging him, saying, "What happened to your wife? Jeff Jarrett stole your wife." And he said, "I'm happy that she And I was making a joke. So he said he was happy his wife. He said I was happy we we weren't getting along anymore. We were talking as a shoot. We weren't even arguing. I said, "What happened with your wife?" And he says, "Oh, she she's better off. Uh, we we stopped getting along. We've been together for a long time." And that was the only thing I asked him in the back was what happened with your wife because when I remember meeting you. You and your wife were together, and you had a tanning salon. You're buying her, and this was 1998. He says, "Fuck, you got a good memory." I said, "Well, I remember pulling out a bag of marijuana with you, and you shit your pants and told the office that a guy like Kurt Angle with the fucking Wheaties deal uh, can't have Teddy Hart riding in a car with marijuana." And I was a liability to get you and everyone else that rode with me fired or arrested or blackballed, and it kind of put the the uh, final stomp on my career. So I said to him, I said, I still think I'm a better athlete than Kurt Angle, and I still think if I trained for a year in MMA that I would have easily three rounds in a UFC ring because I don't think he could throw a punch. And I dead, I'm dead serious. I think a lot of those guys, they never threw punches and they never got hit in the face for years. So they all can do double leg takedowns, and they're all pretty tough, and they're the baddest grapplers in the world. But there's a thing called fucking hybrids, and they do every style in the world. And again, I was like one of the things I bugged and I would have loved to have three rounds in a UFC ring with you considering you say you bet you're better than Brock Lesnar and I always heard Kurt Angle beat Brock Lesnar and I said that's because Brock Lesnar is a big guy and he's, it's awkward for him to fight a guy like Kurt who's 220 when he's 260 I said but a guy who's 190 I said or 200 pounds and we're throwing fists not double leg takedowns it's a different story and I always said that so I bugged him about that I said I would have loved to have the match because I heard Kurt Angle bitching that he would have beat everybody in the UFC that he would have beat Couture right. and he beat Lesnar all the time and that he was easily the baddest guy on the planet and toughest guy on the planet. And I thought there was fucking four or five other guys that I, uh, on the street, gangster type of guys or uh, MMA guys or like prison guards or like the hitmen fucking weird guys that I met through my association with cartels and gangs that would have ripped Kurt Angle's fucking head off, but they never were allowed to compete. And I, I know a guy named Paul Fresh, uh, black belt, and he's a great, great wrestler and killer but he never allowed to compete because he was licensed to basically be a certain type of guy and they wouldn't let those guys fight in the UFC later so it's like I always I had my beef with him on little things there but it was more of a work like why are we paying you ten thousand dollars to stand you're going to do something if you're capable of getting in the ring then for the ten thousand dollars or whatever the fuck we paid you get in the ring and make something happen instead of standing outside the ring complaining about your knees and I yeah. uh, maybe he didn't like that that much maybe he thought that was a but again, when I went to the back with him, I said what I said. And then he came back and he said, man, that was awesome. He goes, you had those people really fucking think we were going to shoot. Yeah. Um, so, Are you on you know, phone, last time? Are you still there, Pierre? Are you there this whole time listening? Uh, Pierre's not on. Uh, I thought Pierre was on this whole time. I didn't know. I thought he was on. So. No, nah, no, nah, he's going to call in a little while. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's not on. Um but yeah, um, you know, since the last time you were in the Jersey All Pro Ring, um, you know, we lost Fat Frank, and um, you know, what was your thoughts on that? You know, hearing about that, and just overall your thoughts on you know working for Fat Frank over all those years. I love Frank, and I thought Frank was the man. Uh, really creative, nice guy, and oh, and he, we only had one problem, me and Frank, and it was over the Loki Necro Butcher. Uh, 
I think Jack Evans maybe or Chris Hero was in it. I don't know who it was. It was over the world title, and they didn't want me to take the world title home with me. And I quit on the spot, and that was on that was on Fat Frank. Was uh, That was the guy basically that kind of caused me to quit JP. So I was very happy when we made amends, and then he brought me back, and then we started working together again because he was like a dad or a big brother that kind of, uh, for whatever reasons, he made a choice to me that after 10 years of working there or whatever, uh, it would have been a pretty big deal to bring the belt back to my mom and dad and show them the belt. And he said, the belt doesn't leave the uh, state. It stays with us. And that was the only thing I ever had bad to say about Frank in 10 years of working with him was he didn't let me keep the belt, but everything else he ever did was always proactive in my career and uh, very helpful and uh, took care of me and paid me more than anyone else ever did him and Pierre and, uh, for, and Jeff. So, again, very sad, but a guy like Angel uh, coming in and fixing things or booking for him and fucking up a bunch of bookings and airplane tickets and then having people uh, to call and say what really happened where he didn't want to book me because they were over budget instead of saying something else where he couldn't get a hold of me. And it's like, this is the day of an iPhone. So if you can't get a hold of me, call nine other people. Any one of them will get a hold of me. And send me a text message saying you're trying to get a hold of me. That text You're breaking up a little, man. Ah, sorry. You hear me down this end? Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry. I just, uh, otherwise, Frank's the Saint, man. Just and I just kind of hope every year we have a memorial show and it's as successful as the last one was. That was a br- really nice, nice, uh, nice thing to see. I wasn't there live, but it was a nice thing to see how many people came out to pay their respects to a guy that really made wrestling in New Jersey famous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... And, you know, the last time I had him on the show, you know, the year previous to him passing, uh, still one of his very favorite matches is his fondest memories of all the years he ran Jersey All-Pro was the Homicide Teddy Hart Showdown. So, you know, you definitely made an impact on him for sure. All I can say is, again, that he had the ball to book me when no one else wanted to. And if it wasn't for his his uh, savvy and sacrifice – and willing to put his neck on the line, I would have never had a booking in the States after a Ring of Honor kind of fucked me. I probably would have been nothing without Jersey All-Pro. And that's sad to say, considering how much stuff I do. But without their sacrifice and their idea of making me a star and letting me have those matches where I got to kind of blur the line of what was real and uh, a beautiful, beautiful, like I say, Shakespearean type of wrestler homicide. He really knows how to draw the line and kick the shit out of me without injuring me i want to get my ass kicked in a match i want to get beat up but i don't want to get injured you know what i mean i don't mind getting beat up but i don't mind getting stiffed a little bit because it's telling a story and these are very smart savvy uh, internet fans that are inner we'll say independent fans that have watched everything so you got to be as good or better than the matches that all had happened before and that was you think about the list of guys they'd seen that had came through that building or been in ring of honor been in czw in the past say three to five years while me and jack were making our start a lot of competition, yeah. a lot of guys that are making big money now that are still wrestling now uh, and or have even retired now, like American Dragon or CM Punk, where Joe's still getting his chance now, Teddy Hart's still getting his chance now, AJ Styles is getting his chance now, but there's lots of other guys basically already kind of, uh, you know, sorry, I got a fucking girl with her. I'm just driving in circles trying to keep, because I, I can't put my navigation into my phone and do the... Uh, that podcast at the same time on this phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I just now I've been um, parked, but somebody's alarm went off. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so, I mean, have you ever had any contact with DJ Hyde? Because I know you had a problem with Zandig, but it became, you know, DJ Hyde's company. And, and again, you know, I, I see you as a guy who could definitely draw in crowds and everything else. Is there a reason why he hasn't brought you in, or have you had any contact? No, uh, DJ Hyde and I talked about me coming in to do a CZW show a couple months ago, and we just haven't worked out logistics. Very nice guy, a lot of respect for him. Uh, and I like how he carried on CW and went out of his way to make it a, a really good library on the internet that you can watch all that stuff, fairly accessible and fairly cheap. So I thought that was phenomenal by him uh, to, to take it over, A, and then to set it up so it was like, Basically, you got something for all guys that did so much hard work for so many years. Not saying hardcore is not hard. It's fucking nuts. And I give hardcore wrestlers the respect. But a lot of hardcore wrestlers that I've wrestled still can wrestle. And Masada can mm-hmm. still wrestle. Necro can still wrestle. Uh, Zandig couldn't. DJ Hyde, even all those guys, like I say, they created a, a show that allowed wrestling. Guys like Ruckus. Guys like Trent Acid. Then they had other guys like Nick Gage. And but even though Nick Gage still, but he, I thought he could have a great match still, good good wrestler still, even if it came down to it. But it was like one of those things where like uh, Zandig wasn't so hardcore wrestling to me uh, value, and it has to be watched in the past. You have to go back and watch what they do. You can't forget about the sacrifice they made or watching like the holy fuck. But if someone didn't capitalize on all the stuff they did and buy it and put it onto a website, they would have basically been chasing John Zandig's disorganization, which I don't think Zandig was smart enough to get all that shit done like DJ Hyde was. Way better businessman, DJ Hyde. <laughs> all right. Um, another guy in Jersey you worked for, um, I don't have a very high opinion on him, but um, you worked for Eric Tapout. Um, what, what's your thoughts on him? Uh I was a huge fan of Eric, and then Eric let Pat Buck kind of control uh, booking or scapegoated and blame Pat Buck for stuff that Pat didn't really say or do or cared about, but I don't know what the truth was. Somebody basically stopped booking me there, and they told me I had to pick one or the other promotions, Jersey All-Pro or PWS, and I said, no, I'm going to work for both. You guys always said I could work for both, and I started off with PWS, the very first guy to do their shows, and did a best of three for Jack, uh, with me and Jack for Eric and never asked for much money. Gave him a really good deal. And Eric kind of turned into a fucking coward on some stuff. And it came back to bite him in the ass and called me back when everybody else had turned on him. And he said, I'm sorry. And I'd like to work with you again. So I still put Eric as uh, a good guy because he said, sorry. And I never got into what he did with Pat or the business or if he stole money from fucking the government or taxes or this or that in promotion without Eric's genius and Eric's hard work and initiation and ingenuity at the beginning. So it's like Pat got lucky that he got Eric, and then if Eric turned into a piece of shit, uh, then so be it. But Pat, uh, Pat, from what I hear, is a good guy. Everyone that I ever talked to that knows Pat, except for Eric, said Pat's a good guy. And I mean some really hard people to get a compliment out of, like uh, our friends with Eric are friends with Pat, sorry, not Eric, and have told me, uh, talk to Pat again in the future, and Pat's a good guy, and he's a good guy to have in your corner, he's a loyal friend, very smart, so, I mean, I can't say anything bad about Pat, I can only say, basically, that Eric kind of fucked me, but he came back, and I got to wrestle Shimron, and I got to see Mick Foley, and I got to see my Uncle Brett, and that was the the last booking that Eric paid me for, and he gave me a deposit for a show that didn't exist, so, as of right now, Eric and I are cool, Uh, he kind of went out of his way, to fix things with me, and same with Pierre, because Angel fucked up. Pierre went out of his way to fix things with me. So basically, the two New York promoters that I uh, care a lot about are both on on uh, 
you know, good pages or on a good review with me right now. I got nothing bad to say about anybody on, cool. on those uh, two guys. Pierre, a lot of shit to say about other people potentially, but Pierre just called in, so I'm gonna add him to the the line. Cool. Hey, Pierre, what's up? What's going on? What's going on, man? What's up, Ted? Hey, Pierre, how are you, brother? Good, good. How's everything? I've gone on a couple rambles here, but I mean, I'm on like two hours sleep, a couple shots of tequila, beer on an empty stomach, and then driving around in circles in Oakland after missing my flight. I think you, your power with uh, karma and God, Pierre, you cost me my flight because I booked a flight not thinking about the podcast because it got changed my flight from this morning. So it was an afternoon flight instead of this morning. I would have been back to the podcast in Dallas. But for whatever reasons being, I'm stuck in Oakland now at a dispensary about to go in and get uh, some medicinal marijuana with my prescription and happy to hear your voice. And the commentator has been, or the guy guy doing the questions has been awesome. He's let me just fucking go off uh, rambles. And he just (laughs) said, I had your rambling. I said, fuck, come on. I said, me rambling? Never. (laughs) (laughs) It's always interesting when you got Teddy Hart on the show But I try to make it fun rambles Interesting rambles and factual rambles So at least there's some stuff Not just a guy rambling on about fucking aliens That no one's ever seen before Of course No, no, no Of course So how's he been? So yeah, man Hit you with everything from left and right, right? Teddy's the most interesting guy to ever have on a podcast yeah, Teddy. Teddy's always very entertaining. He's very, you know, opinionated, and that's that's always great. Um, Ted, um, you know, I know you've trained a lot of students and everything. Um, you know, what's your way of teaching guys, and you know, what do you try to instill in those guys, sending them out into the business? It's, you know, it's a very cutthroat business. You've dealt with a lot really, of really, really serious, and- really good question. Really good question. Um, I try to teach guys basically like a combination of, we'll say, Eddie Guerrero, Tiger Mask, Dynamite. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, uh, some Razor Ramon, some uh, some maybe uh, Blitzkrieg. I think I said Ray Mysterio Jr. If I didn't raise the top of my list, raise basically where we learned everything from as luchadors, as potential uh, moves or what could be done. And then guys like, uh, I would think, Hulk Hogan for uh, Image or like Kevin Nash for being cool or like uh, even like Lex Luger for present. And he always looked fucking good. He always looked good. Sting for 50, 40 years, however long he's been in the, he always looked good. Even in, even his last match in WrestleMania, whatever with Seth Rollins, he still looked like he was thirty five years old. Like I give guys a little bit of everything. It's more like you create a character you want, which is a medley of the best guys in the world, and take a little bit from every one of them and put them into a, a collage, and that's your character. So it's a little bit of everything that I thought was really good. And, uh, like, the Dean Malenko was phenomenal. Fit Finley was phenomenal. Watch old Fit Finley, old Dean Malenko. Watch Jody Malenko. Watch old Davy Boy. Watch old Dynamite. Uh, I watch a lot of English wrestling now, and I tell people to watch English wrestling all the time, uh, old Japanese stuff. Um, I mean, really, and there's so many guys that are out there that are indie guys that nobody ever really noticed that you can watch and take a move or two from. And a lot of times it's just a matter of watching 50 guys on highlight reels and stopping and going, hey, what was that? Or how did that guy do that? Or Shane Strickland just did this awesome kick. Let's copy that and change it with a spin. And constantly watching what's out there, uh, knowing the measuring stick, knowing what moves are being done, knowing what moves are possible in the future. to do. Like I still haven't done a double shooting star press. Nobody has. But I still think I could do a double shooting star press off a cage uh, and triple mania or WrestleMania if it was the right time and the right money. And, but nobody wants to pay you to do a move right now. 
So we got to get Build to that cage, point Pierre. where, you know, where <laughs> I could do a double moonsault. Like Jack did the double moonsault in Ring of Honor. That was the first ever double moonsault in the history of sports. I think before the BMX guys did it or before the guys on the quads did it. I think Jack was the first guy to pull the double off. And it, it was like nobody really gave a shit, even though that was the biggest thing in wrestling history, that Jack Evans did a double moonsault off of 25 feet on concrete without getting a scratch on him. And instead of that being the talk of the show, it was overlooked because I did three backflips after the match and puked, which is nothing. And if it had happened in any other show where the guys were actually working with the promoter and we were their guys, they would have said, fuck, what a genius idea that Teddy Hart went out and gave the fans the loop. Wasn't like I pinned anybody or changed the finish. Who cares if I do some backflips after a match if I no sell or did sell? I've seen guys no sell German suplexes. I've seen guys no sell fucking Frankensteiners off the top. I've seen guys no sell chair shots. Who the fuck can't no sell a move? I didn't even know I wasn't even involved in the finish of the match. And I did some backflips right. after and a shooting stunt press onto the floor. It was all bullshit mystique I talked about for fucking the last ten years to keep basically guys like me out until there was so many other guys like me now that you can't stop Lucha Underground from kicking the shit out of WWE. Even a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin says, fuck, watch Lucha Underground. The Rock gives Lucha Underground shout-outs. It's weird how the, that show, which is basically pro wrestling gorilla, again, light heavyweight wrestling, same as what fucking uh, the light heavyweight tournament is, minus a few guys like Macias and uh, whatever his name was, the other guy, uh, Jeff Cobb, I think, who's uh, Matanza, but I mean, even he's not that big in life and moves like a cat. So it's basically like that light heavyweight type of wrestling that Monster Mac and Monster Mac moves like a light heavyweight. Watch him. He does shit like a light heavyweight. So it's, he's not wrestling a fat guy style doing nothing. He's doing way more than he needs to do. So, I mean, he, he don't tell me that right. those guys didn't learn from watching Homicide and Loki and all those other guys. They help train too. There's a lot of guys that help train guys. Not just me, but guys weren't really trainers. They were just guys that had a certain style in the ring. You, you learn from watching Homicide. You learn from watching Loki. You learn from watching AJ Styles. You learn from watching Christopher Daniels. You learn from watching uh, Brian Danielson. You learn every one of those guys. If you watch those guys, they're, they're pretty close to fucking black belts or black belts of wrestling. They can do almost everything, and they do it with a certain technique, uh, which is consistent years and years and years of success and uh, not getting hurt. You know, and that's yeah. my question. I know you guys are terrible on the question. The question was about wrestling and about what was the. Sorry, you can tell me the question one more time. I'll actually let you talk. It was, uh, you know, how how do you you know train guys and you know what do you try to instill in guys as far as you know training them and and ushering them into the business. And as far as the gym and the diet, I try to get them on a really serious diet. And uh, the gym, at least the two day, like if you can get twice a day in the gym. Triple H said it himself. I think there's no excuse for not going to a gym. There's always a 24-hour gym in a city, and if you got a rental car, go to the fucking gym and find it. And you'll be better off going to the gym than sleeping. And I'm one of the guys that's neglected that advice a little bit, and I'm not as big as I should be, but I'm, I'm starting to gym uh, a lot more again because practicing what you preach is a, is a key. And I used to be a master of saying it and doing it, and then after a while you don't do it anymore and you still say it, doesn't have the same impact or effect on your students because they don't see you. Uh, I haven't done a shoot press in years. I haven't done a front twisting in years. I haven't done a backflip with a full twist in a long time. Those kind of moves. I uh, just wasn't getting paid extra money to do it, but I didn't stop teaching my guys those moves. I still made sure they knew that that yeah. was like basically the prerequisite was there's like 15 different ways to doing shit. And you got to learn all 15 ways if you want to get a black belt out of me and my school. The last guy that came out of my school was Callisto. 
and I didn't train him that much in professional wrestling, but I definitely gave him some some ideas and some polishing skills and uh, I guess like a concept, and he followed it to a T. And look at him now. Same with Neville. Neville is another guy. Yeah. You just had to have five minutes with Neville. Just a one talk with Neville and about going to the gym, stick with the gymnastics, and don't let any of the guys tell you you're doing too much because it's you that's going to make wrestling change, and you're going to be on WWE someday. And sure as shit, there he is. Ricochet, same thing. I said, the best guy I've ever seen in my life. You need to be in WWE soon. You called Kevin Nash, the best guy I've ever seen. Razor Ramon, best guy I've ever seen. Anyone that ever talked to me, WWE agent type of guys, uh, Norman Smiley, five minutes with him. I said, yeah, have you seen that Ricochet? Because it's the truth. You never see a guy work harder than Ricochet. Uh, Jack was pretty phenomenal, but Jack uh, Jack and I both, Jack smoked cigarettes and pot, smoked uh, a lot of pot. Ricochet doesn't do shit. And if he does smoke pot, he's never said it or done it in front of me, so I can't say anything. He lives a certain lifestyle, uh, that basically every wrestler should watch and copy and try to uh, do what he does to better himself because he's getting better and better and better and he's working more and more and more than anybody else is. So I don't understand how his body's maintained, uh, let alone getting better. And he's getting better and stronger and bigger. That's a testament to good yeah. news and God and fans and training and that uh, there's guys out there now that have really taken the Teddy Hart recipe and not got sidetracked with some of the bullshit that I got sidetracked with and they've they've met their goals where I'm still uh, waiting to some of my goals because training guys uh, became a goal of mine, and now training myself is my priority. So I'm not really training anybody else anymore. I'm training basically myself to get back to a level where I can uh, say I'm top three again. And I don't think I'm top three. I think I'm probably top ten, but not top three. What's your gym regiment like? All body workouts. Uh, Batista got me into all body workouts because working on one body part at a time, he said it causes you to become like a bodybuilder. And if you get injured, uh, you know, because your shoulders are so tired because you did shoulders and you did a fucking hour and a half shoulder workout rather than an hour and a half all body workout, he goes, it's going to cost you a lot of injuries in the future. And he tried to help me out and gave me that, that concept. So I started doing all body workouts and I lost some size, but I gained a lot of flexibility and uh, I haven't got hurt at all. I've been, I find, like I say, when I bump, I'm a little lighter, but I move faster and I, I like a harder kind of muscle now uh, just because of doing the all body workouts. And so basically like once usually if I can get two in a day, I will, but I would say honestly about four days a week and my weakness is eating. I don't eat enough, but if you, if you can eat six, eight meals a day, uh, small ones, you'll get, you'll get great gains in the gym. It's just a matter of, I would say eating is 70% of the battle. And then the rest of the 30% of the battle is the, uh, the is getting to the gym and having a good workout. But if you don't eat right, you can look, and I've been the same size relatively for 10 years, up and down around 10 pounds. Sometimes I look pretty good, but usually the same weight fluctuates between 180 and one, uh, 195, and it's because not eating enough. So I stress to everybody, eat, 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 sleep, and train is the greatest advice you can have, and go back to gymnastics and watch more tapes. Yeah. Now, you know, you're always an innovative guy, you and Jack, and, you know, going back to Amazing Red, you know, doing a standing shooting star press, it was the most innovative thing at the time. Things have evolved so much, and guys are doing such crazy stuff like Osprey and those guys out there. How hard is it to innovate now and come out with something fresh? I just came up with two new moves I haven't seen anybody do, and it's it's hard as fuck. It's really tough. Um but I, I pride myself on trying to continually to be innovative. And if 
if there's a way of coming up with a new move by watching gymnastics or figure skating or synchronized swimming uh, or ballroom dancing, uh, I highly recommend doing that and watching it find new ways to wrestle and do stuff. That's the only way you can really do it. I, I mean, it's almost impossible to come up with something new now because everything has been done. But there still is about 10 moves, maybe 15 moves out there that I think can be can be changed or modified, and I'm hoping to do that. I still think of myself as the most innovative wrestler on the planet. I think I've done or created the most moves out of thin air where no one had ever done that type of move before. It wasn't really a progression of something else. It was just a brand-new move. Like when Scott Steiner did the Frankensteiner, it was a brand-new move. It wasn't the head scissors like everybody else was doing. It was a different move. To be innovative right. is, like I say, almost impossible because you never know who really did it because it's usually stolen so fast anyway. So, Where'd you uh, come up with the original, you know, idea to do your uh, your heart attack move, the the twisting? I watched a kid in my wrestling school do it, and he copied it. And then AJ Styles saw some videos and he did it. Then I went on TNA right after that and did it again and did it smoother than him. And then I got I got in a little bit of trouble from uh, AJ for not following the move list because he told me there was a list of moves he didn't want the same moves as him on on his promotion and I agreed to most of them but one of them I wasn't going to cut out the front twisting it's my move and I did it first and I did it smoother and that's how I judge or gauge stuff you know but otherwise like I don't know I just there's it's really uh, there's there's some guys out there that are potentially still innovators most guys are just copycats that's all they really want to do is just copy is copy and they'll watch other stuff and just steal it and they never give you any credit for teaching anybody so yeah um you know uh, a little while back you had um some some kind of controversy that came up and uh there was supposed charges or something like that and i I had heard you talk on uh the one uh, uh the one show with trent and um you know, Trent Beretta and those guys with the best friend show that you were on. And uh, you explained the situation. It was it was some kind of crazy story that uh, obviously you're, you're still a free man. So um, there had to have been some, uh, you know, truth on your side of the story. What happened with all that? Uh, basically, it was a bunch of bullshit charges that were prompted for a reality TV show going wrong. And I knew I never did anything, uh. especially to uh, – Danny girls sexually that's the last thing in the world I'm going to do so I knew that was a bogus charge and I was uh, prepared to deal with it and if it ran me through the dirt a little I knew it was going to bring me back out on the other side because the truth will prevail in something like that because you have to have evidence and it's one thing to get charged and I've been charged a couple times but I've never been convicted of a crime in my life and I don't think I ever will be convicted of anything because I don't do anything really worse than smoking pot and uh, right. again so but with the girls it was some uh, it was some shady stuff that happened with a producer and uh, some guy on a reality TV show basically making my wife and girlfriend who were with me at the time do some stuff that we had done on a reality show, uh, but they were selling us that we might want to do something for Playboy or it might be used for a rated R type of documentary or whatever, and they needed to make sure that we were really a couple uh, or that we all got along, and it was more just a setup so they get, they could see my wife and girlfriend topless. And after a year and a half of wasting our time and getting some deal and, you know, then it was canceled, then it was on and it was off. Uh, they stretched my wife and girlfriend beyond what they were comfortable with. And they said, if they have to continue dealing with this, they're going to charge me and walk away from this whole thing because they wanted nothing to do with this TV show or the pressure. And they ended up coming through on their uh, promise of taking me to the police. 
and it cost me some money with a lawyer. But at the end of the day, I got a bunch of publicity, way more publicity from the bad than I ever did anything good. All the stuff I've done in my career, good, never gets any publicity or really no one shines a light on much of it. Or guys I've trained or, again, the sacrifices I made with Matt Rats or the new rings or whatever. Mm -hmm. That seemed to get my uh, name in Rolling Stones and in every major paper. And my YouTube hits went up a lot. So... For whatever it was worth, I walked out of it. Like I say, the Teflon Dawn, nothing sticks to me. And it's like the ninth thing in wrestling that they said, and I would be finished and bottled and finished again and done, and I'd get injured doing all this shit, and no more moonsaults for Teddy Hart, and he's going to get put in rehab and the psych ward. And I've made it out of every situation alive and fine and still came back and had five-star matches. And all I can say is that the fans keep me alive. Guys like you keep me alive. I to hear my fucking crazy bullshit ramble. And maybe five fans in the world think it's a, a relevant or think it's relevant and it's it's right on cue and they like me and they buy a shirt for me then fucking right they made my impact. That's all I really care about is a right. few fans out there that like me or love me or that went out of their way to buy a ticket because of Teddy Hart. That's why I did the backflip instead of holding a fucking headlock. You wondering your heart of hearts? Why would I climb to the top ropes as a fucking basically a millionaire? and retired at 19 years old from a bunch of easy money I got from a signing bonus at, at 18 years old because Vince McMahon felt bad for Owen Hart thing that had happened. So I got a whole bunch of free money to turn into a fucking drug addict or a fuck-up, which, thank God, my parents and guys like Pierre and the few promoters out there gave me enough hope and enough fans that I didn't piss my life away on drugs or alcohol or get murdered as a drug dealer in the street because I needed to make some kind of move that made me feel important. I got to go to Jersey All-Pro every single month for like eight years and feel important in front of a thousand strangers. I got more friends and family in New York that aren't blood-related than anywhere in Canada because they remember my name, my sacrifice, and they still buy a ticket to see Teddy Hart get his ass kicked by Chris Dickerson or whatever it's going to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned amongst that, I, I can't just leave that out, but amongst that you mentioned wife and girlfriend. How, do, how does that work out? Uh, well, I'm best friends with my ex-wife right now, and she's allowed my girlfriend to come back to me now for one So I have a restraining order against her in Canada, so I can't see her on Canadian soil, but she can come visit me in the States. So she's come to visit me once, and... Uh, thank God it was a really nice meeting. I hadn't seen her in two years. I really missed her. I'm kind of a sociopath and a narcissist on some levels. I mean, I still love other people and I care, but I love myself a lot. I take very good care of myself and my few friends. So uh, to have as much love and affection as I did for her, and I told her and I tried to convey that to her after two years of seeing that, I still basically wanted to go back to her and fix things, even though they dragged me through the dirt in court. Uh, because I never did sexually assault her, and it was more of her needing to protect herself and uh, get away from me for a while because they thought it was going to be a, a better thing for me to get kicked out of my house and go to Dallas and lose everything I had, basically, and get my shit together and become a real indie wrestler, which is driving 8 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours to shows because promoters want to book you, but they don't have enough money to pay for an airplane ticket. And if I really want to get my name back out there, I already have enough money in the bank to retire, but I don't have enough money in the wrestling bank to say that I'm a legend or a superstar. I didn't make my mark, so I had to go back to the bank of life and the bank of uh, looking in the mirror and wondering what, what am I on the planet to do. And it's not to have some money that I made off a of grow-up or some money my dad invested when Vince McMahon decided to be generous when I was 18 years old so I could sit on my ass at 40. Uh, that would just be a complete waste of my talent and all the fans that kept me alive and prayed for me. 
I think that that's the reason the comeback is going to be so real. And I still think, guys, you'll see me in WWE at 40 years old, maybe. I don't want to say it because there's no guarantee. And maybe Triple H will hear that and think I'm calling my shot and he won't like that. But I think after another three years, I'm 36 now. i got four years to get in the greatest shape of my life and have a great time wrestling in Mexico. And, uh, and marijuana is becoming more legal everywhere I go. So hopefully I'll either not need the marijuana in five years, which is highly doubtful, but maybe the world will need marijuana and look at the piss test as something that marijuana can uh, get around or beat or I can pay a tax so I can smoke and uh, continue to entertain the world and get behind what I think my grandfather and Brett and Owen all got you and Davey Boy and even Dynamite for a small period of time, which is wrestle in front of the greatest fans in the world, which is WWE fans. But uh, that's a goal yeah. I still have and I I still work on and I still go to the gym and I still stretch and I still try to innovate. So one day they give me the call and I'm ready, but I'm not ready for another two years. And if they called me now, I'd be forced to say no. And that would piss people off because you can't say no to WWE when they, so you can hope that you got enough shit around you that they won't come until you're ready. And it's not hard for me to make a call to Brett and a couple guys and go, here's some pictures of me. And I've been training and I'm clean and uh, what I mean by clean is off my prescription steroids, but I'm clean and I'm still maintaining a certain look that can go at 37, 38, 39, 40 uh, for 10 years and not shrink, shrink, shrink down where you end up being like 155, 160 pounds after you're on the road for a year because you can't take what you're taking. And I've been taking juice for a long, a long time and not lying about it. A lot of other guys will lie through their teeth about it, but I think that's why the fans of wrestling uh, have over the years accepted Teddy Hart as being that guy. And I mm-hmm. think my image in wrestling has changed so much because people want the truth. They want a straight shooter. And they want a guy that says, listen, this is the fucking facts of the business. And these are the guys I've said that are going to make it. And these are the guys that are now running wrestling and making it, making it, making it. So obviously something I said must have come true, you know, and something yeah. I said has changed the way you guys look at wrestling. So I just want to come back and enjoy the way wrestling is now because wrestling, I think, is one of the coolest sports on the planet. And the indie guys out there, uh, every show I go to, I'm very surprised with the talent level, where the guys are better, better, and better than what I expected them to be. So, I mean, that's just a shout-out to all the indie guys out there. Fucking way to go and way to do your homework. You guys are doing a great job. Any guy that's got a school out there, uh, continue opening up your schools and allowing a ring to be accessible to guys with low income. Because we don't got a lot of money, a lot of us wrestlers. You know, I'm a different story on some stuff, but still... I feel the pinch of watching all my friends that can't afford to buy a gym pass, buy protein powder, and they got a part-time job. They're trying to drive Uber on the other side, and they can't take a wrestling booking on the weekend because they're going to lose their jobs as a waitress or something, you know, or as a waiter. Yeah. So just continue to allow wrestling to exist, and promoters continue to book shows, and teachers and coaches continue to book buildings and put rings in there. You're creating a guy's uh, future, and you're allowing dreams to happen. You make dreams happen for other people. Good karma will come your way. I guarantee it. So I've kept myself safe for 20 years. I've allowed other people's dreams to be uh, important enough that me doing what I do, if I hadn't have done what I'd done and then got away with murder, uh, I wouldn't be alive. But all the other guys that got away with knowing me or that got away with my connections, they didn't have got those connections. And those connections were based on their hard work, not me teaching them. I never taught most of those guys shit, but I discovered them because I knew their hard work because I knew what I did to get there. And they'd done more than what I'd done. And that's, that's right. basically the mark of a man, is I give you respect. If you can do something I can't do, better than I can. And that's a, that's a fucking mm-hmm. huge thing to beat me on a certain level. And, they, and all these new guys have just completely, like I say, you watch the matches now, more and more and more and more guys are just phenomenal wrestlers. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. Uh, on an off topic, because I, yeah, you're so opinionated. I just figure, uh, see if you have an opinion on this. Uh, you're in the U.S. now. Do you have any thoughts on the the current presidential race? I hope Donald Trump wins because he's Vince McMahon's friend, and they shaved his head in <laughs> WrestleMania. So I, I have a feeling it's a whole fucking work. The Clinton wins. I, I don't. I I don't I don't really care. I say I just hope Trump wins just because I think it's all a work anyway. And if they're gonna, if if it's gonna be like that and that's the way it goes, then there's it's awesome that Donald Trump somehow became that face of all those other people that he represents because he represents a lot of other people that are not saying shit. Where Hillary Clinton, yeah. I don't know what she represents. I, I've always heard that she represents basically George Bush and, and their secret societies and all that type of stuff. Where Trump is basically like independent wealth guys that have made a lot of money in the last 200 years, more than the guys that have made money in the last 10,000 years kind of thing. But I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what the truth is. It's all, it could all be bullshit. I just hope uh, that the state doesn't have a nuclear fucking disaster. There's no major earthquakes. Uh, I pray for world peace and no disease and uh, drug rehabilitation for the world, that basically the, dr- the world is on drugs, and they need to recognize that and make drugs legal and uh, figure out a way of policing it where you're not going to jail for getting high. Uh, the police and cops and government own all drugs basically out there, and they prescribe them or they give them to you, but it's done in a safe place and controlled, like Amsterdam, basically. If you want to smoke, you smoke pot. If you want to shoot heroin, there's an area you go shoot heroin. I mean, it's all protected and governed and licensed. From what I understand, again, if I'm wrong about the part, then I'm obviously uh, misinformed, which is fine. But I know they're still shooting fucking heroin and doing coke and doing this and this and this. And I don't hear about guys getting busted on possession charges too much in those types of places. So there's a way for Donald Trump to do what he does. And I don't think building a wall around Mexico is going to do shit people we want from Mexico we're actually bringing in here because they're educated fucking workhorses. Hardest working, smartest people I've seen in the last 20 years are Mexican people, Filipino people, and Chinese people. They just wipe the fucking floor with everybody else. They speak three or four languages. And same, I have to put in the Indians too, uh, that anyone from India, Pakistan, usually phenomenal. Very patient, God lovers, good people to me. Never had a problem with it, so... I just hope that they don't alienate those types of people because those types of people will blow up a fucking building and it won't be a setup. It won't be some bullshit. Scam. It'll actually be a fucking guy that just goes and lights a gas station on fire with 50 people in it or just goes and smashes right into a telephone pole. He knows it's connected to like a grid and he just wipes out the grid. And if it's 50 people all decide just to do something stupid at once, you got fucking mass terrorism. It's not going to be ISIS. It'll just be people snapping from too much Xanax, heroin, coke, meth, fucking alcohol and traffic can't fix the traffic and they can't fix the fucking pollution and they can't fix the drug problem and uh, it doesn't matter what president's going to be in place and if they can't fix the obesity it doesn't matter what president's in place the world's falling apart because um, America the people that made this world for what it was sold out and everyone else that's working their asses off live in third world countries they want the fucking space we live in now and it's for sale and it goes to the highest bidder with the most money and hard work is usually what gets you money now yeah, um, you know, you mentioned obesity. What do you think could um, could fight and, and stop obesity? Uh, you know, they've they've uh, floated these different sugar taxes and this type of thing. I don't know if that's the answer. I mean, what do you think could could help combat activity obesity? For kids, fun, cheap activity for kids, and fun places for fat parents to go with their fat kids and have someone tell them about it's cool to be fat because it gives you something to change. 
and now you got a goal and you got a you got an obstacle ahead of you and for the next two years you work on a fun diet make it fun to be fat make it fun to be fat but you're going to get taxed after a certain age if you're obese if you're above a certain type of body fat uh you're you're literally toxic to the world and a lot of people don't want to hear that but you're literally toxic to the world because you're toxic to yourself and i don't see a fat person generally uh really obese that loves themselves and it's hard to love somebody else if you don't love yourself. And I don't want a world full of people that were too fat and didn't give a shit long enough where every other guy fucking wore amputees with one arm, one leg, still go to the gym. You know, some homeless guy yeah. in the street, I wouldn't give him five bucks for alcohol, but he did 50 push-ups. I gave him fucking five bucks to buy crack or alcohol after that because he gave me some physical, physical activity because I want to see people moving. And that's, that's the key. Life is moving and, and, and loving yourself and loving life and the gift of life and the gift of athletics and the gift of a gym and a, a wave pool and a steam room and a massage therapist place. You know, go to these gyms and experience what a gym's like and you won't be laughed at. The first guy to ever laugh at somebody that's fat in the gym is usually kicked out of that gym because we want that fat guy in the gym. We want him to be on our side later. Five years later, he's right. skinny and he's the first guy to go, fuck, man, when I was fat and he admits it, he was miserable. Court Bauer is a prime example. He doesn't even talk to me now. He's so cool, and he's so good-looking now. He looks so fucking good. He's done so much shit with his life since he lost weight that he doesn't have time to call his old friend Teddy Hart up because he's changed his life. And now he's fucking he's, – uh, he goes to the gym. He's on a constant diet. I'm trying to get St. Laurent, who's another guy out there who's a fucking genius in wrestling, but I don't see him making it to 40 years old because of his diet. You know, and it's just a matter of there's a lot of people out there that are really going to cut their family short of all the beauty, the beauty that their life would have lived if they could have lived that extra 30 years of life. And that's what I'm selling people on life. You know, fuck Teddy Hart, the controversial wrestler. My life strategy on living a long time and not aging and and traveling the world and finding a fun way of eating and uh, staying away from pork and following what, you know, kosher is and halal is to a point being vegan is to a point you know just little bits of every one of those types of information is helpful but i mean i like a little bit of meat i try to eat a little bit of steak you know twice a week i try to eat a vegetarian diet uh, some fish lots of eggs but mostly just like you know i don't know if that for guys like again workout regimen goes back to that question of like just uh, smoothies are good brian cage has a certain diet chris dickerson has a certain diet uh, those guys are putting on a lot of size and whatever they're doing is really really kicking the shit out of everybody else's techniques but i think it's just overeating and really it's just a matter of those guys are certain types of brain and they're just very mentally strong and physically gifted and try to do what they do and i don't think that many other guys on the planet will be able to do what chris dickerson or brian cage did for, uh, for those type of games in such a short period of time Guys, I'm gonna have to cut sure. this short pretty soon, guys, because I'm gonna I got a I got a guy behind me here, and he's a, I think he's gonna give me a ticket for parking. I didn't want to keep driving and talking because it's hard to talk and concentrate on the questions. No worries, man. Um, look, is there anything else you want to put out there? I'll let you go. Um, is there anything else you want to put bookers, out there for you? Indie bookings, indie bookings, please. If there's any indie bookings out there, you can contact me. Uh, my email is uh, bjsgym at shaw.ca. You can email my dad and I for any bookings out there for any promotions or promoters that want to uh, bring me in. I'm looking for work, happy to get to uh, some new places and make some new faces uh, happy. And, again, extend my belief in professional wrestling is definitely real. Yeah, man. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to have you back on sooner than later. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. Pierre, thank, thank you. you very much, brother. God bless you. 
He dropped offline, but I'll I'll relay the message, man. Okay, thank you very much, my friend. Have a good night. So there you go. There's Teddy Hart, man. Uh, it was a while since I talked to him. Uh, got him back online, and uh, that that's pretty much it, man. I did the extra show this week so I could have Teddy on. So I, I don't have anything more to talk about. Uh, you know, kind of had to spin plates a little bit before Teddy got back on. Hope everybody enjoyed. You know the plug. I love Thank all of y'all, much, and uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking ass. Keep it in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you... Good. Like Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people, and I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Juice of Kiss Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools. 